Hey, y'all, welcome to the Marty's Miss America podcast. This is volume 100-something. I don't know, 50, 60, 25, hell, I don't know. And we have a very special show for you guys today. Uh, I have two of the most degenerate knuckleheads at the network uh, that I consider to be brothers. They are housemates of mine down at Augusta National Golf Club, although this year, because of the Rona, we'll, be, we'll have our own rooms, I guess. Uh, Michael Eaves and Matt Barry. Uh, gentlemen, good morning. And uh, Barry, I appreciate you getting the hell out of bed for us, brother. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm doing triple duty right now. I'm doing you. I'm doing Sports Center. I haven't found the third thing yet, but I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> Real soon. Wait, it's hold gonna, up. It's going to come hold up. up. Oh. Matt wasn't the one that was on the air till 1 a.m. last night. So <laughs> where are you about true. him getting up? Like, I'm not up at this time. That's true. I wondered about the early time for Eves. Like, this is this isn't night people hours. That's what I'm saying, dude. Unless I'm playing golf, I'm typically not up by this time in the morning. Well, I appreciate you. But here I am. For me, yes. I mean, we're not all thoroughbreds like like Kentucky's own. That's true. (laughs) No, that's true. Only the chosen few. So I want to just start getting your general thoughts uh for those of you listening this is what we're going to call a master's preview <laughs> and <laughs> i'll speak for the these two knuckle yeah i'll speak for these two knuckleheads and in fact these three knuckleheads i'll speak for travis here too we all consider it such an insane blessing that we get to cover this event that we get to work uh, at espn in the first place but certainly to be part of the Masters family for ESPN is something that we don't take lightly. We don't forsake, and we're all so grateful for. It's pinch me moments for all of us every single time we get to walk on the grounds there. So, Eves, I'll start with you, bro. Just, just how do you define what that event is for you and the opportunity to get to be a part of the coverage? For me, it is the highlight of my professional career. It's always been number one on my bucket list of things to cover um, since I became a sportscaster. For the game, it's the closest thing that golf has to a family reunion because it's held in the same place every year and generations have been coming there for generations. Um, Sometimes you see people there that you only see during Masters Week at Augusta National. And we don't really see that oftentimes in other sports, obviously, uh, even with like, you know, other tour events and other sporting events that are held at the same place. It's just different because it's not that many people that have access to the grounds there at Augusta National. And so for you to be included in that small entity, uh, it is, as you said, truly a blessing. And for me, it's, it's my favorite week of the year. And I just love going to that place. And you have a new opportunity this year that we're going to get to in a minute, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but, Maddie, I want your thoughts first on that same question. H- how do you describe what it's like to go there and get to tell the world what that experience is? Yeah, you know, d- similar to Michael in that you kind of just grow up. If you're a golf fan, you grow up watching the Masters. And it, it, you grow up watching it on TV, and you're like, is that place even real? And I was fortunate enough – from 2003 to 2005 so three years I worked in Columbia South Carolina and local TV and Augusta's an hour door to door and so I was able to go do this in local TV and at the time Dustin Johnson he was a local kid from Columbia and so he'd be a lot of who we focused on and so just to do it at that level 
to me, I was like, if I never cover the Masters again, I, I was able to do something, as Michael said, a, a bucket list opportunity. And then to be able to do it at ESPN starting, I think it was 2014, just to be able to be on the grounds as a member of ESPN. I was putting some trailer out in the back, voicing highlights for the leaderboard, but I still loved being there. And then to be able to kind of work your way through and then do the Sports Center coverage. Because look, we're fortunate enough in this industry. We all have passions. Mine are college football and golf. It, you know, if you, if you you know me, you know that. So to be able to do both at a place like ESPN with people like you guys that that were we're all idiots. I mean, if we're all idiots that just have a passion like everybody else. And so to be able to do it at that level, see it from a local level where you're lucky to be in, and then do it from an ESPN level where you're one of the rights holders and you actually get access to things that other people don't it's 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 a thing that i hold dear to my heart every year and, and, and svp will tell you this when we when we talk to when we're down there every year is the first time every year is like the first time i know michael and i talked about it marty you and i talked about it you could be there i think this will be eight or nine for me every time i walk on the grounds it's like i've never been before and i think that's what makes it special i think it's so well stated and, and I think we're all like-minded in another way. We, when it comes to serious journalism, we're all beyond capable of taking that approach and, and, and a very direct news reporting um, approach. But we're also all still fans with access. That's what I, I think a lot of – we're such hardcore fans of that event hardcore fans of everything that it is and all the unique traditions that accompany it. And so we still have wonder, which I think in our business, you can lose. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can <laughs> lose the wonder, 1000%. but we all still have it for the masters and for Augusta and Eves. I want to, I want to discuss the opportunity that, that you have first. Congratulations for those of you listening, Michael will conduct the post round interviews as the golfers exit the course on Thursday and Friday during ESPN's coverage of the first two rounds of the Masters Tournament. And that is one of the most coveted positions in all of sports journalism. How did you find out? What was your reaction when you found out? And what do you anticipate? My goodness, a triple barrel question. Stick with one. Michael, how did you find out? Uh, you, hey, Matt. Uh, Matt, Matt, this doesn't say Matt Berry's America. <laughs> this is Marty My Smith's gosh. America. Let him answer I was one. Remember like, all right, that one, that one. I got to get to all three of these. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike McQuaid, <laughs> our boss, who runs our golf coverage at ESPN, uh, we had a conversation actually a couple months ago, um, not long after we knew that Tom Rinaldi was leaving us to go to Fox, uh, about doing that in and around all the other stuff that I do for Sports Center, just the way Matt does with all our, you know, we, we have a lot of coverage to say the least. And to do that, plus adding that responsibility, Mike wanted to ask me how I felt about it. It wasn't like I was going to say no. I mean, let's be real. I didn't care what it was. I was going to say, I was going to say yes. Um, so that was really cool. And yeah, like to, to be a part of that, dude, this is going to be one of the highlights of my career because you think about the masters, all right. There's only so many people who've been on the telecast, whether yeah. it's on CBS or ESPN side. And for us at ESPN, even though we have the coverage on Thursday and Friday, there's only two people from ESPN that appear on that coverage. Everyone else is CBS, right? It's Scott Van Pelt and it's been Tom Rinaldi, or it used to be Mike Tirico. And now it's going to be Michael Eves. So yeah. 
I, I've not lost sight of that. So I'm really honored and, and feeling blessed by that. And I'm just glad, Marty, that this is not an essay writing contest, because if I had to feel the shoes of Tom Rinaldi on that aspect, I'd be a little nervous. Like I can talk golf with golfers. So I'm not concerned about that. But Tom Rinaldi's a guy, he'd have you crying in your casket at your own funeral, right? So as long as I have to follow his shoes and trying to write an essay for something, I think I'll be okay. You just said no to that. If McQuaid was like, hey, can you write an essay? He'd be like, hell no. No, 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 no. I don't. <laughs> can, can you write an essay on Tom Rinaldi's career at ESPN? <laughs> and the answer, like, Mike, uh, is no. I'm good. I'm good. To hit on that, it's a skill set. Every one of us has a skill set. It's like the golfers yeah. will be covering the Masters. Look, they're all pros. They're all at the top of their game, but there's some guys that putt better. There's some guys that hit the ball longer. And there's some guys that are better with their wedges. And I, and I think that's what makes our place unique. And I think Wright Thompson, we're going to get the, the grovelly tones of some Wright Thompson uh, this week as well. So, it, Marty, it, you know, I think we all, because I remember, Marty, when you went out there for the first time and your wonderment of the place. And that's what, like, we can be desensitized, like you said earlier, so quick to sporting events. But there's something about this one that just makes it different than any other. And, and Michael, I want afterwards, maybe after Thursday, when we're, when we're all done with the coverage, I'd love to know what it's going to feel like when you hear Nance potentially toss to you. Let's go check out. <laughs> you know, Think about that for a minute. We grow up. I think Jim Nance is the best in the business still do without question, but those are, those are moments, man. Like you've got to really, live in the moment and be present with stuff like that's going on. Cause sometimes TV people, we take stuff way too seriously, but to hear yeah. you get it tossed to you in the broadcast for the first time, that's never going to happen again. That first time that's a, that's a one time first time. And I think it, it's going to be remarkable. I'll be sitting there toes up in my Marriott off campus Fairfield <laughs> suite watching it. And I, I can't wait. So now Barry has jinxed Eves. Jim so, so Nance is going to throw to Eves. And I'm going to think about Matt. That's what's yeah. going to bother me. As soon as Jim Eves is just going to be standing there looking Matt at the camera. My head. I'm living in the moment. I am living in the he's moment. He's going to be right interviewing now. Paul Casey. He's going to be like, thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Casey, man, uh, last November was, was, was very different. It was, you know, having, having no patrons there. And I'll share a story with you guys. I was standing at Amen Corner, and I was the only person there. And the golfers are making their way through during their Wednesday practice rounds. And so there was a backup of guys on 12. And so Paul Casey and his group finished 11, and they're sitting there waiting at 12. And his wife, Pollyanna, was up on top of the hill, up there by that shed, by that bathroom area, on the hill up from the 12 T and uh, he's like waving at her to come down. And so she kind of sheepishly walks down the hill and they turn and they take a photograph husband and wife with the 12 green behind them. And then they just sit there together arm in arm and stare at this photo. So she walks over into those pine tree, the pine tree area at amen corner and he tees off, whatever, chases his ball. 
And I walked over to her and I said, ma'am, hi there. My name's Marty. I'm a reporter for ESPN. And she said, hello. She introduced herself. Lovely, lovely human being. And I said, I saw you and you and your husband take that photo. What is that photo? And she said, it's magic. She said, I've never been able to get this close to my husband on a golf course before. Oh, wow. Yeah. Much less Augusta. Yeah. Because there was no ropes. Don't forget about Phil Mickelson and Amy walking down the fairway during play. Yeah, that was really cool. That was during the tournament play. Yeah. And, and to see the look on her face and speaking of wonder, she's married to one of the, the best players in the world. Yeah. And, and yet they had that opportunity at that, at Disney world to take a once in a lifetime photograph. And they were cognizant enough, aware enough to know that it was a once in a lifetime photograph. And I just thought it was the most beautiful thing to see. Well, if you were cognizant and aware enough, you'd have said, you're not supposed to have cell phones out here. You're not supposed to be taking pictures during the tournament. Give me your camera. <laughs> I, didn't I mean, those are the rules, man. Marty. You just let them break a rule right in front of you. I don't think Marty hey. has much hall monitor in him. No, no, yeah, no, I'm no, not much of a no. Hall monitor. No. I was the guy who had the flask in my jacket pocket. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, the thing that Marty liked, because I was there last year, too, and let me say this. It was good and bad in a couple of reasons. Right? So it was bad because it was, especially early in the week, it was eerie. Because, as you said, there was no one out there. Weird, man. Sunday afternoon, I went out there by myself. I was walking down the middle of 10 fairway. Then I cut over and I went down 11. I wouldn't stood on 11 green. Like, you can never do that, right? So in that regard, I'm happy – to have that opportunity just to say I, I was stood where Larry Mize chipped in to beat Greg Norman. Like, you know, I stood on the tee, uh, you know, two years, one year after Tiger put it on the green and Finau and uh, who put it in the water. Um, Italian dude. Francesco Molinari. Molinari, thank you. I'm brain fart in the morning. I'm not up this time. You're welcome, so, America. I'm just saying, uh, Matt, thanks, Jim Nance. Um, to be standing there was cool, <laughs> but it didn't have the energy. Right. Like soon as you walk on the grounds, no, even didn't. Monday, there are people there and this, the anticipation for the weekend compared to some other sporting events. It's, it's just different. It is just different at that place. Without the patrons on the grounds, it took away from that. Now, it didn't take away from the golf. Congratulations, Dustin Johnson, a well-earned green jacket. But I quite honestly, Marty, I hope that Paul Casey and his wife never have that opportunity again. As you said, I hope it is a once-in-a-lifetime thing because that place is about the people who come there. And as cool as it was to get some access and be closer and, you know, have a conversation with Peyton Manning walking up the uh, ninth fairway or ninth fairway there, uh, I don't want that to ever happen again. So you bring up a good point because I, I would had this argument with, with Michael Collins that I said before they had decided – that this was going to go down. I was of the opinion. I would rather not play the masters with no patrons and wait. I'd rather just not have one because I think what we're learning in all sports and we can rip fans and have fun with them all. We want fans are the oxygen of sports. They just are. And there is nothing in it. There is nothing in sport. I don't care. We could argue an Alabama home game. We could argue death Valley, um, on Saturday night, we could argue a Kentucky basketball game, Cameron, you know, whatever the case might be. There's nothing better than Sunday roars at Augusta, period. And 
because Dustin Johnson won it and he's won a major championship U.S. Open at Oakmont, because he's done it, I'm not going to take that away from him because he's got the green jacket. But there's something different about winning the Masters with the patrons and the pressure and the subtle sound of movement and a roar coming back on 13 when you're on 16, wondering what the hell just happened. There's something about that. And Michael, you're, you hit it. It was, it was, it was just dudes playing golf at Augusta national. That's all it was. There weren't grants. It, it was just dudes playing golf. And it was, it, you're right. Once in a lifetime, I hope that's all it was because this tournament and every tournament ramps up so much when there's that hum of humanity in and around the golf course. That's a good point, Matt, because last year, Dustin Johnson had a lead going into Sunday and everyone thought he was going to win, right? But as he was walking off, I believe it was the fifth green. I think the lead was down to one, right? Any other time, you would have heard the groans yeah, and a little bit of the excitement. Even that early in the round, that, that's a little above amen corner in terms of the uh, golf course. But you would have felt that. Yeah, We didn't feel it when Dustin Johnson only had a one-shot lead before he, he teed off in the par three. And I think by the time he left that tee box, though, at six, I think his lead was back to – it was definitely back to two, if not three, right? Well, so we didn't have that feel because the, the patrons were not on the ground to give us those roars and those groans. Those groans matter, too, whistling through those pines. We just didn't have it. Think about it, too, relative to other tournaments. Everything now is digital, not Augusta National. There's a no. dude like at Fenway Park that manually puts up the score on the, on the leaderboard yeah. – so when that's when that happens, you hear it throughout the entire tournament. You yeah. hear shock when Tiger was making his run in 19. You hear that kind of thing. And we've seen it now at Bay Hill. We saw it at the players. We saw it last week a little bit at the WGC at the, the match play. Having the gallery back matters to these players because there are some like Patrick Reed who feeds off of it. Patrick mm -hmm. Reed on a silent golf course doesn't give a damn. Patrick Reed, where people he knows, 60% of the gallery hates him and 40% of them likes him. That might be generous, maybe 70, 30. It's generous. Bottom, bottom line, like it matters. And so I'm interested. We could, I don't know, 10,000 a day. I don't even know what it's going to be. I, I haven't, you know, there's, there's speculation. It's just going to be members, guests, and family. I don't know corporate sponsors. I don't know what to expect, but I know that there's going to be more of us this year. And that, that makes me excited. Yeah. I think about, you know, you talk about those deafening roars that, that they have to take into account. I think about Brooks Kepka on 17T in 2019. Yeah. And Tiger hit it within a foot on 16. The mm -hmm. Michael Phelps photo. And the lid blew off the joint. And Brooks was addressing his ball and was like, hell no. He stepped right back out of there and waited because it was like an avalanche. It was like an avalanche uh, coming down around him. And that's just the beauty of the place. It's awesome. And you know um, when it's coming. You yeah. know. You know. And, and here's the blessing and the curse. I think both of you will agree with this. There's something. There's the blessing of being there at the tournament. When we all roomed together in, in 18, no, 19, when we were all that, had that nice little house full of that master's paraphernalia that Rockhold stole. No, he didn't. Um, Remember that ceramic dog? I had a photo of Gary Player there. next to my bed. <laughs> you did have a photo of Gary Player yeah. next to your bed. Yo, yes, you did. I, yo, I had I had that entire house by myself last year because of COVID. Really? Did you really? Oh, you went back. But yeah, because 
Yeah, because it was already paid for from the beginning of the year, right? Because we like we didn't get from shut down until like what the month before the or spring yeah, twenty, the month yeah. before the Masters. So we already paid for the house, but Dude, that's uh, Disney would not allow us to share spaces. So I had that whole house by myself. Did you sleep he, with that he, ceramic he dog that was by again, the fireplace? But it wasn't as big. Remember they had that little, that bag full of ball. We had a putting contest in that hall. Yeah. Bank. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But when, yes. when you, when you go to the tournament, we can walk it. But when you're at home at our master's house, watching it on TV, it's bouncing around. So you're feeling the, the, yeah. the drama. And so being there is one thing because that's a whole other kind of adrenaline, but watching a Sunday is you're telling the story on Amen Corner, as someone comes off a scorable par five 15th to step to the tee box on 16, there are so many things that go on when you're watching it on TV. It is, it's, it's one of the great watches and events in sports. One of the cool things I like about being on the grounds, I'm not sure sound travels better in a venue than it does at Augusta National. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the slope, the mounds, those trees. But that sound travels there. And you know, Amen Corner is the lowest portion of the golf course. The, the clubhouse is up here, up by, you know, the one, uh, first fairway, excuse me, first tee box and 10. But Amen Corner is like way down here. But that sound rumbles up that hill like a third of a uh, herd of thoroughbreds, right? And it just travels everywhere. And like Matt says, when there's a scoreboard and you know a whole – is a potential birdie or potential bogey. When they take that number out and it's and it's black for like a few seconds, that anticipation is felt by everyone looking. And as soon as they put a number up there, whether it changes or not, there's a reaction. And you, as Matt said, you just don't have that in any other place in sports. I would love that job. I would mess with people all day. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. Yeah. I would mess with people all day. I'd You'd have a stopwatch. I'd put up a birdie like, oh, what? no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, Augusta National will play that. No mistakes. In 19, the person was very slow with Tiger's score when he had that birdie. They they held it down for probably three seconds, it felt like, before they put it up, and the crowd was just, like, hushed yes. and just waiting to erupt. Like, who is that guy? Who has that job? What's his name? I don't know, but he's probably had it for 50 years. Oh, I was going to say, whoever's 100%. done it. His grandpa had that job. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Man, at, going back to Amen Corner, let me tell you guys uh, one thing. It's a long damn way from <laughs> Amen Corner to the television compound. Trust me oh, on this. Yeah. And it's all up. So I get, yeah, I get down there. All right, full suit. We gotta wear suits, you know. So I am at Amen Corner. I have one of those blue steel microphones, <laughs> and I don't have my cell phone. Right, I can't take my phone. So I'm out there on the island all by myself. I don't know where my camera is. It's my camera is affixed to the, the bird's nest at Amen Corner. I don't oh, know yeah. that. I don't yeah. know where it is. <clears throat> my microphone's dead. I don't have my phone. I got no comms at all with McQuaid and everybody involved in making televisions. They're losing their minds because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. They think I'm not there. So after, I don't know, five minutes, I'm like, something's not right here. So I make the decision, I'm just going to run. I'm like oh, Forrest man. Gump. Dude, I turn in a full suit. I run. I run from Amen Corner up this hill like gone. 
And I finally get there, and my mic was dead. Like, it, the battery was dead or whatever. And thank God, uh, some dude that worked in Florida State Equipment who happened to be driving a golf cart was like, hey, Marty, what are you doing? What are you running for? I was like, I know that's against the rules too, Barry. Yeah, no I running do. I know the rules. Hey, God, just keep breaking them. Yeah, but it was like- extenuating circumstances, so I offered him some of my flask. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's a long damn way from a yes. corner to the TV. So, which way did you school. did you backtrack your run? Or I want to I want to walk through this run because I ran. So what? Yeah, I'm so thinking you of the were route. At, you were at twelve. Yes, I was standing basically right by twelve T. So you needed to swim upstream through eleven, back uh-huh. down around ten, which uh-huh. gets awkward because it's a two sided walking path. So you got to make- and, and and by the way, it's also like a thirty degree grade. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. brutal. Yes. Um, even though it was November, it was unseasonably warm. So I had a really good sheen going on, gentlemen, underneath that jacket. In fact, I could just see you just you ripping through Augusta National, just freaking out. <laughs> you know, y'all know my personality, dude. I was on. I was pinned. As we say in auto racing, I was on tilt. He was all in the red right there, boy. No doubt. Uh, all right, before we get to a little breakdown, a little preview of this year's tournament, I want your favorite memory. What's your favorite Masters memory, Eves? Uh, wait, so let me ask you this. It's, it's a caveat. Is it all time or watching or being there? There's two different things. I want, I want your favorite all time, but I want – we'll start with all time. Go. Uh. It's going to be 97 when Tiger won it for the first time. It's um, it, it's the most important tournament. Excuse me. It's the most important um, win in the history of that tournament. And it's one of the most significant moments in American sports. So that will always Why? be my favorite. Um, because for Tiger Woods to go to that place and do what he did um, just really kind of cemented a place for people of color in terms of what we always thought a black man could do if given the opportunity. Um, He wasn't the first to play there. Lee Elder was in 1975. Uh, By the way, cool moment for Lee coming up this year, being an honorary starter. Um, But for Tiger Woods to go there and to dominate that golf course, um, that was special. And then this is going to seem like a cop out too, Marty, but then my favorite other being there was 2019 when he won for the fifth time because of all the if things that's that not happened. every one of our answers we're stupid well i'm just saying everything that happened between 97 to 2019 all right so all of that stuff led to that moment and that story was you know there was an exclamation point put on it with him winning that tournament and people chanting his name as he was coming up 18 fairway that does not happen at augusta national they didn't do it for arnie they didn't do it for jack but they did it for tiger woods in 2019 because that's what he has meant to golf fans that's what he's meant to that place and for us to be able to be there and as i said before to feel that energy as he was coming up there with all those people around 18 yeah i'll never forget that dude that was, that's clearly one of the highlights of my career in terms of being it and witnessing something firsthand it's number one for me. Go ahead, Barry. What's your favorite all time? Yeah, I, we could all go Tiger. I mean, '97 just because it was cool. Golf was cool because this 21 year old kid and everything that it that it symbolized. But if I go outside of the Tiger spectrum, 
for me, it was it was oh, let me see what year was it? It was Phil Mickelson's first Matt. Let me cheat here. Oh, four for me, it was 2004. I was working in Oklahoma at the time, Arizona State guy, Phil Mickelson, Arizona State guy. But at that time, he had never won a major championship, ever won a major championship. And so I remember sitting in the newsroom wondering if he was going to make the putt on 18, which now has spawned the logo of his, of his apparel. <laughs> And I remember yelling and screaming and cheering because I'm like, Phil finally got his. And I, he wanted that one to be his first one. And so as a, as a viewer outside of, of the Tiger history, it's definitely um, that moment when Phil Mickelson finally got his first major in 04 because he had worked so hard. He's one of the best amateurs in, in golf history. So he finally got to be able to get a, a, a master's. Being on the grounds, it's actually pre-ESPN. It was when I was in Colombia, and it was 2004. No, 2006. That's a good year for you. 2006. And I was, had the, the, the credential, the badge, and somehow, I don't know how it happened to this day, I somehow got linked into Tiger's family entourage during his round. And I'm with Elon. I'm with his mom. I'm with his agent and a couple of tiger hangers on as he's walking as he's playing his round. And I'm with a buddy of mine that I work at this station with. And he's just laughing his ass off because here I am in this upper area with the tiger click. And I guess they thought I belonged there because no one said a word. And I'm sitting there, his mom, she's just cheering him on. I think we, I finally caught on to this on like 14 or 15 and we're walking the rest of the way. And I remember Leaving that day, I was like, I just walked the second nine with with Tiger's crew. No one that was ever wiser to it. I don't know. How, I still don't Pretty know. Pretty good, Maddie. So my favorite moment ever is Tiger Woods 16, 2005. Uh, one of the most magical moments in the history of sport. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most jaw-dropping things any of us, any humanity has ever seen. I, I still don't know how the hell that happened. Uh, and, you know, Maddie, you're talking about the Phil Mickelson logo. Uh, that, that Nike swoosh on that golf ball is forever. Um, and my personal favorite moment of being there is 2019, standing above the 18th green, 10 or so rows of people above the green as he's walking up, and it's irreverent like Augusta's never irreverent, with people chanting Tiger's name, and that includes the that guy we talked about earlier who's placing the placard in the scoreboard. He's yeah. pumping his fist in yeah, there. that's right. Because everybody knows what they're witnessing. Everybody present knew they were not only witnessing history, but in some small way they were part of it. Yeah. And that's, a, that's an unbelievably rare air for all of us. And I know you guys have heard this story before. Listeners may have heard me tell this story before, but damn it, it's a good one, so I'm telling it again. So he taps in to win, and Charlie runs into his arms, and we're all instantly whisked back to 97 when he ran into his own father's arms. And, you know, he told me last year that his mom – he hugged his mom, and his mom was crying, and his, he said, my mom doesn't cry. My mom doesn't do that. And then as a family, they're making their way through that gallery that's losing its ever-loving minds <laughs> at having witnessed that history. And – all of the former champions are there to greet him. All of the young stars of today's game, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka, who all play the game because Tiger showed them 
to play the game. Inspired them to play the game. And some guy tugs on my sleeve. And I turn and look at this gentleman, and he says, Marty, I need a minute. And I said, what's going on, man? He goes, we see ourselves in Tiger's victory. And I said, how? He said, we're Clemson University campus ministers. I said, oh, how do you see yourself in his win? And he said, we're all capable of big mistakes, but we're also all afforded the opportunity at redemption. And I scribbled that line as fast as I could on my notepad, and I ran to that camera we have inside the bowels of the media center, and I told one of you two clowns that story on global television. And it's a moment that will live with – I mean, I'll carry it with me all my days because it was just so poignant in that moment. Yeah, yeah. and you know what it is with, with Tiger 19? We had – we had moved on from the scandal for a while. I, I think you had five wins in 2013. If not for the drop at the Masters in 13, you could argue that he, he may have won that. He definitely would have won. And so we had gotten out of the point where it was debilitating Tiger. It was the back surgeries. It was all of this stuff that he had gone down to where none of us knew. We wanted it. None of us knew if it was going to happen again. And to take this player – we had talked about the juxtaposition with the hug with his dad and then the hug with, with Charlie. But I have long said it. If that was it for Tiger, you roll the credits. That's how the movie ends. I don't need to see any more. I want to see more. I don't need to see any more out of him. Because to me, that was the golf god saying, you know what? We're going to give you one more weekend of Tiger. We're going to give you, Tiger, one more weekend to make this walk. And if the movie ends with the Nat sound of the Tiger chance, I'm good because it was a story of redemption that I don't think we'll see in sports ever again. You know, the thing, though, Matt, about what you said about, you know, rolling the credits on the story, it would have been great. And now the potential that the, that, that story becomes a tragedy again because we don't know if Tiger's going to play again, right? So now, now, like, just him getting back to Augusta National, one – to attend the champions dinner that that alone will be somewhat of a comeback just to be able to do that. But then if he can hopefully play again would be great. And then if he could somehow be able to play well again. So every time that, you know, Tiger presents these story arcs, he goes on another arc, right? Yeah. Like the story is never ending. It started when he was like two, three years old on television there in Los Angeles. And now, you know, the question mark of his recovery coming off that car accident and it always, I, I think, again, it will be Augusta National that plays a part in whatever the remainder of that story is, because we know if one place we can always see him will be at Augusta National each year for the Champions Dinner. You can't say that for any other athlete in any other sport. Maybe the Hall of Fame ceremony for the, for the NFL there in Canton, but it's not quite the same like it is Augusta National for the Champions Dinner. But that's the question. Will we see Tiger Woods again? And if we see him, will it be Augusta National? I'll lose it if he shows up at the champions dinner next week. I'll cry. Because <laughs> Look, here's the thing. None of us know how he's going to arrive. Is no. he going to arrive in a wheelchair? This, I mean, not to be dramatic, but if it's, he's still recovering from pins in his legs, like how would he arrive? What would that look like? Cause none of us have seen him. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think Tiger would show up like that. I don't think he would allow himself to yeah, show up that's, like that. Yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to show you him broken. No. No, 
As a guy who stood outside of Harbor UCLA Medical Center for an entire evening reporting on Tiger, who wasn't in Harbor UCLA Medical Center because they'd already moved him to Cedar Sinai. Good reporting. I can tell you it's going to be a stealth operation, Barry. <laughs> it's going to be a very stealth operation. They got him home with people without reporting on it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's the whole, the whole thing, man. I, I just, I, I'll speak on behalf of all of us. We have constantly thought about him and, and hope that his leg's healing up because, man, that is a hell of a devastating injury. All right, I'll get you two out of here on this. Um, Eves, give me a preview, man. What are we expecting here? Um, you, the, the big question coming in is, for me, is how will Bryson DeChambeau play Augusta National this year after talking all that trash last year and not being able to pull through? All right, will he sort of dial back his expectations and maybe a little bit of the ego and take a different approach around that golf course as opposed to thinking he can just overpower it um, off the tee? And then also, can Roy McElroy find any magic getting back to Augusta National? Like, it's not just a... It's not just for him now, currently, as we stand here today on March 30th, 2021, of whether he can win there to complete the career Grand Slam. But, yo, in some regards, with this game, he's lost right now. Lost. And could going to Augusta National somehow help him refine that game? Because he's played well there before, but he always has, like, one round that really dooms his chances of winning. Can he find it um, getting to Augusta National with a chance to play well over the weekend? Those are the to me, the two biggest questions going in. Speaking of guys that need to find their game, I mean, Ricky Fowler, unless he wins this weekend, Lost. ain't going to be there. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's going on with him, Barry? Marriage. It's amazing when some of these guys, because there, there was a time, God, what year was that? Was it 15, 16, where he was second in every major? And it's like, all right, here, yeah. here comes Rick. Here comes Ray. He's going to finally get his. And now with him, he went from the best player to never have a major I don't even think Ricky's in a major championship conversation right now because of this youth movement of the Victor Hovlins, the Colin Morikawas, the Matthew Wolves, the Scotty Schefflers. There's this new breed that is completely past Ricky in the conversation. Um, but storylines, Michael's got a good one in Bryson. I don't think he's going to dial back the ego. I just think he's going to tweak with which how he plays the course with his power. I don't think he's going to deviate. And I put, I, I've said that, I think there's a, a tier of three players that are the overwhelming favorites. Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau. I would put that at tier A. If those are your one seeds. I'd put John Rahm right behind him. Those three guys above him have won major championships, so they know what it's like to come through on a Sunday in a major. But I will tell you the one thing that I am watching, and that I've just got this feeling. Jordan, Jordan Spieth. Spieth is the, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Jordan yeah. Spieth. There is something about him right now. Yeah, man. That he plays well there when he's not playing well. I think he's going to announce to the world at the Masters that you remember this guy that almost won every major? I'm going to have something to say about it this week. And to me, that well, would be an incredible. So you're saying he's going to win? That's the only way you announce that he's back is if he wins. Because he's played well of some over tournaments and That's been right. in the yeah, top five can't... finishes. I wouldn't. I'm going to give it a couple more days, but I wouldn't hesitate picking him to win. Ooh, okay. So he he opened at 60 to 1. Oh, I wish great I had that, that action. Yeah. I wish up. I had yeah. that action. Because by the time we get to Thursday, 
he's going to be like eight to one. Yeah. Because he's one of those players that we talk about the bombers all the time, the DJs, the Rory's, the Bryson's. You don't need to be a bomber there. You just need to be accurate. You need to putt. Who's better at putting when they're putting than Jordan Spieth? No one on tour currently. Right. And so, I don't know. I I would say expect the unexpected. Um, it's been five months since the November Masters. So, Dustin doesn't want to give his jacket back that quickly. Nope. You know. Um, and plus, he's mad at Kevin Na. So, he's, he's, got, yeah, he's got the he, Na He's drama. so mad at Kevin Na, he pulled out of the Valero Open. Because he's, he's in the gym right now cussing out Kevin Na. And he's going to try to just bury him at Augusta National. What's funny about that, too, is he's probably so angry at Kevin Na, he's also trying to figure out why I committed to Valero in San Antonio, Texas the week before yeah, like, the Masters anyway. I was like, wait, <laughs> he was in the field? Like, why yeah. was he in the field? Like, what am I because doing? Because he's Dustin in, Johnson. That's in what. hot Texas walking the week before the Masters, and I'm the defending champ. But I, yeah, I would no. say, Marty, I, I, Spieth's going to be a story to watch. And No question. Can one of these – can we see a first-timer? Can Tony Finau – Please, who that would plays be well at Augusta, you know, you know, and he's had a hell of a year. I mean, I the know, guy's had an insanely great win, year, but he hasn't. Why? He's won once, and that was 2016. Yeah, he just yeah. it's. I don't. It was also an off week too. It was Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. And so it was it's it was in, opposite a World Golf Championship too. So yeah. it's like it wasn't his game right. is too good to only have mm-hmm. one win on an off week. It would be amazing to see him close there. And, I mean, he, look, he's in contention when he's when he's playing at Augusta. He's typically in contention on Sunday. So, we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, gentlemen, I've got one question for the guys. But before we let him go, what's the first sandwich that you're going to grab? Pimento. Time of day matters. If, if it's breakfast, it's the – No, no. The one sandwich you want when you get there. I'll go pimento cheese. And I'm going to get weird. I'm going to buy a bottle of sriracha for my hotel room. And I'm no. going to bring back pimento cheese to my hotel room no. and just, just give it the hot sauce treatment. You know, uh, if, if, if that's anyone Arizona else stuff in right my there, life. Man. That's it really Arizona is. Stuff that is right so there. Southwest spicy. Like, that's what I'm saying. Cause I, like, I'm Southern. I love a good hot sauce, but I ain't never thought about putting hot sauce in pimento cheese. That, that is definitely if, if Southwest stuff right there, boy. Anyone else in my life made that statement. I would think, wow, that's weird. But the fact that it's Matt Barry who <laughs> yeah. said that statement. Yeah, it makes sense. Nope. That's a, that's a, that's par. Makes perfect sense. Hey, way um, to use golf par, Lance. That was good. I'm work, you guys, I'm learning from the Jedi Masters. <laughs> uh, all right. I love you both very much. I appreciate your time, but I have to bid you adieu because I have to go shove a cotton swab up my face now. Yeah, it's 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 so that I can actually force. see you in person yeah. in hey, a you, few days. You, you, we've, you've done enough of them. You should be pretty good at it by now. Come on. It's Dude, test day I've today. done more than anybody in the company, I think. Don't forget to register your kit. <laughs> that part. It's important. Uh he will. He if will. you saw my if you saw my log of, of cotton swab registry, you would be like, man, that guy's touched his cerebellum a lot. <laughs> oh, I love you, boys. Right. Have a good one. I'll see All you right. down see you south. Soon. All right, let's go.